Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. Welcome to our 56th episode called The Experience of Life. Sounds deep. It sounds real deep. But it's not going to be that deep. I, I hope it's not too, it doesn't become too like sorrowful. No, I think it's going to be great. We're going to talk about all um, our experiences. Positives that that come out of adversity. Yep. Mm -hmm. Anyways, before we get into that, we're going to get into this wine here. It is called Experience. Appropriately named. Yes. For many Uh, reasons. Yeah. It's a 2013 Cabernet from Napa Valley. I love Cab. I'm excited about this. It's it's a $20 bottle. Um... And it's it is a 2013, and so we got I think we got this last year. Uh, they only have 2015 information on their website, so we're going with we're going with whatever we can. Okay. So it's 14.2 percent ABV, which seems pretty typical for a California cab. It does. Oh, let's see. Oh my goodness! It is very dark, which we would expect that's, for sure. Maybe yeah. That's that's really dark. It's really dark. Smells good. Does it pass the sniff test? It does. It's <laughs> you can smell a little bit of oak. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that the current release is 88% cab, I think, and the 12% Merlot. Um, I'm seeing that the 2013 actually might be 100% cab. Really? I would be surprised if it is, just because of the dollar amount yeah, for well. being Napa cab. I mean. All right, but anyway, let's cheers. Cheers. All right, tastes okay. like tastes like a cab. Tastes like a cab. It's pretty smooth. I think it needs to open up. Getting some tan. I know yeah. I probably should have had an aerator, but that's all right. Um, so we'll get back to the tasting. Why don't we talk a little bit about these winemakers here? Yeah, and their experience. Well, like I said, this wine is so appropriately named for many, many reasons. Not only does it coincide wonderfully with our pairing with our topic. But that's what we do. So, hey, DBP, what's up? But so, what's up? The winemakers here, they, the, it's a couple, um, Travis and Catherine. Travis being from the Russian River Valley, which we were recently drinking from in Sonoma. And then Catherine, who was born in London and her, and was raised there, and her dad was a master brewer. So, When you say brewer, I'm assuming that's beer or that's something to do with a spirit of some sort. This is not wine. So they met in 2001 while both of them were traveling to New Zealand. Travis, because he was trying to get, you know, increased education in the Marlboro area um, because that is – it was a – huge growing region it still is very popular region and then Catherine she was finishing up just a six-month tour of Southeast Asia and Australia sounds nice they met on a tour bus and that tour bus was named Experience New Zealand Hmm. so when they had this chance meeting in 2001 they got married three years later and found their way back to Napa and made their home there how romantic isn't it and it's so sweet because then they decided in 2010. So Travis was working on uh, family-owned vineyards, and his first harvest was actually back in 98, the first one he ever worked. But So he had been working at a family vineyard, and then in 2010 is when they decided to start their own wine business, wine company, and they decided to name their fledgling wine Experience. 
So it's really, it all just kind of comes together. And I feel like the picture on this label is, you know, this, this small family. Um, it's what appears to be a, a dad, a mom, and a young child climbing the ladder up to the moon. If you shoot for the moon, you'll land amongst the stars, right? That's the saying. So it's really very poetic, I think, in nature and um, pretty, pretty amazing how these two came to be and how they got their start um, at this winemaking. That's so sweet. Yeah. That's a really sweet story. What they put inside of this Cabernet Sauvignon is actually grapes. They do grow their own, but they don't grow all of their own grapes, which is why I skirting around the issue with like the winery vineyards etc because Uh. they do purchase grapes from from other growers especially growers who they've had or or specifically growers who they have personal relationships with so that they they keep the quality at the forefront they want to make sure that they're getting the best fruit to put into the bottle in order to create what it, it, wine is not just a beverage it is an experience I think so oh totally um so yeah so they source it themselves um they have Cabernet Merlot and Malbec grown on their Silverado Trail in the Oak Knoll AVA there in Napa looks like they have an eight acre vineyard yeah yeah so it, I mean it's it's not massive by any means and so they supplant that with you know those outside grapes but Definitely, um, definitely really successful considering they've, you know, their vines were planted nearly 20 years before the vintage was made. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like this quote they have, which is, life is a constant evolution. At our core, we honor our past, plan for our future, and in the interim, enjoy the present. We invite others to join us on this experience with our wines. It's perfect. I think that their goal, uh, their goal is to have terrific crowd-pleasing wines without outstanding value. So... 20 bucks for an Napa cab is pretty cheap. I did see it online for 25 as well. So I think depending on where you get it from. Yeah, that is a pretty affordable value for a Napa cab. Oh, absolutely. The other thing that this this wine bottle has on the back, and I think that this really speaks to what we're going to be talking about, so it's a perfect segue, I think. It's often said that life is a journey, not a destination. It's the experiences along the way that make up the essence of our character. Much like a fine wine, we start out young and vibrant and become refined and elegant with age. Very appropriate. You know, we, we learn, we build off of those experiences and we sort of become and build ourselves up into who we, who we are as adults. I feel like I'm refined as well as elegant. So you're so elegant. You're so fancy. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I just love this. I remember we found this bottle like a year ago. It's been a while. And we just thought that this was going to be perfect for something and just perfect in general. It, it looks wonderful. And the sentiments are awesome. You know, you can kill me. You can, you can suck me in with a cool label and something really sweet on it. So, um, yeah. Get you with the cab. You get, get me you with, with the cab. Get you with the Napa cab. This is true. Yeah. Get me with a red. All right. Well, I think we should talk about some experiences on our life journey. Let's do it. Let's do it. So I think the whole point of this is what pivotal experiences in your life have kind of molded you or what you you might have been scared about in the beginning and then you look back now and you're like, wow, that really was a pivotal moment in my life. Jamie, sorry Mm. not to put you on the spot. Well, I may have given this a little bit of thought. Obviously, it's DBP. I mean, obviously, DBP has had a huge impact on my life. I've learned, I've learned some tech shit that I never expected to know. I'd be like, I don't, I don't care. I don't need to know that. Just like, mm-mm. 
So, yeah. Now you're like, give it to me all. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, but who can teach me exactly? Just show me everything I need to know. Okay. So it is very exciting. But I would say, honestly, it's – it's very difficult to pinpoint specific things, right? As we're yeah. living, we're living and experiencing life. Really, hindsight's twenty twenty. That's really what helps us kind of see, like, okay, so yeah, what was this actually significant? Because there are so many things in life where it's like you don't think it's going to be that impactful, mm-hmm. so you, mm-hmm. you're just like, ugh, whatever, it's fine. But it turns out having a bigger, a bigger impact than you expected. Yeah. So I will say, in this, this might sound stupid but there was I know know that we've talked about this before but I truly think though one of my most defining moments and one of the most defining experiences for me was back in eighth grade when I I I I was really I was really focused I was like one of those kids who just all I thought about was academics I wanted to study I want to be the smartest I worked so hard and then in eighth grade little go-getter I was. I'm not saying that I'm not anymore. It's just I was to a different degree. And then in eighth grade, I didn't get what I wanted. I, I did not get valedictorian. Um, I I got second best, but that's neither here nor there. Well, I guess it is here or there. It's here and there because that is actually when that happened and when I was announced to not be valedictorian, it was actually my sister. I actually – I could not be happy for her. I – Literally could not be happy for her, and I basically hated her. I turned to her, and I said as much. And while I think that our relationship sort of floundered after that, more so than it was before, as trying to be individuals, that really kind of separated us. I was going to say a little twin competition. A little twin competition, especially because we were good at the same things. That's It's a very big challenge. But so from that point on, I remember thinking to myself, wow, all of my hard work didn't pay off in the way that I expected. And so then I was like, Jamie, you need to get it together and you need to take a step back and you need to, yes, still focus on academics, but academics aren't absolutely everything. There's more to who what defines you in, in eighth grade. You're not that eloquent, so or at least I wasn't. So, so maybe I didn't say those exact words in my head, but basically – I said, I'm just, I'm going to do other things. I'm not only going to focus on the academics. I'm still going to try hard and do do as well as I can, but I'm going to do other things. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to go hang out with friends. I'm going to get other hobbies. Like, I... Be your own person. Yeah, but at, at 14, what do you think? Like, you don't think about, like, I didn't really think too much about what I was going to do after, like, high school, necessarily. That was still too young for me to think about. Oh, I it. totally thought I was going to be a lawyer. What, really? Yeah. So, I'm like, not. Anyway, no, you're not. No, you said it before. You're not. <laughs> Things like in eighth grade, like that, like that made a big difference. And I think it sort of corrected my focus a little bit or expanded my focus so that it wasn't as tunnel vision and as narrow. And I think that that was for the better, too, because I became, as you said, you know, who I became. But I, I opened up. I tried new things and. And how lucky, at other things. how lucky and fortunate that you had that experience in eighth grade, because I feel like some people don't have that experience until way later in life. and In some form or fashion, yeah. Right. Yeah. And they might not benefit from it as you have and that you can remember back to that specific point in eighth grade. Yeah. And some people are adults and still haven't encountered that experience where they've been able to have that... That wake up, essentially. Yes. Yeah. That perspective. That, that wake up call, yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. That aha uh-huh moment. That aha uh-huh moment, yeah. So... 
What what about you? Do you have I don't think I have any specific aha moments. Okay. But I definitely have moments, experiences along the way that I can reach back to and think, huh, how if I could have only seen from the 100,000 foot view. Yep. Or a hindsight, Mm -hmm. then I would have appreciated that more than, you know, I did in the moment. And that's because it all didn't come together until later. Don't you think that's that's the whole thing is that I I almost think that it's as you get older and you have distance, that mm-hmm. 100,000 feet, you know, coming from like ground level, like sea level yeah. and going all the way up, it gives you that distance so that you can evaluate things in a more objective manner because in any given moment you are so – you can be so emotionally tied to whatever is happening around you. And so it's – by being able to sort of extract yourself from that situation, it really allows you to just kind of like, huh, oh yeah, I think that was, I think that was actually a positive experience and not as negative as I interpret it. Yep, and that's why I feel like it comes back to my conclusion or my saying, my life saying that everything happens for a reason. There you go. And maybe it's that's not your motto. Like every little thing, but I think that you really are on a path. And if you just let it happen, it will happen. Don't force the issue. So when I came to Milwaukee, for example, that's yeah. the perfect, um, perfect story because I moved to Milwaukee on a whim. You know, I had never that really had to been be here. That so scary. It was super scary. I had never been here. I had no friends. I came for this job because I couldn't really find a job. I, I did not know anything about Milwaukee. I had only been here once. I rented my apartment online. Like sight unseen, never saw it. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, like physically, you did not walk into it and be like, "This seems livable." No, I signed and a lease. Online pictures can pictures can be deceiving. Well, and it hadn't people. really even been built. Like it was like it was just getting built. Oh. Yeah. So, um, and I just you know bought all this furniture on a whim, came here, distanced myself from some people I needed to distance myself from, and I hear you. All of a sudden, I was here, and it just came out of the blue. And I was like, "What am I doing here?" And my plan was to just like work temporarily, and, yeah, and go somewhere else. Like, I so, was not supposed to be here. Yeah, long-term. I I think you're you're one of the triggers or one of the catalysts here is like needing to get away from the people from some people or needing to dis- to get away from certain surroundings. I would venture to say that that's a pretty common feeling. Uh, across a large percentage of the population. True, but I don't know if people always act on it. And I, I right. was like, well, I, one, I need a job. But two, is like, I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And I did. I was in Ohio at the time. Uh, you know, and I'm from Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mom came with me. And she, like, I have moved around a lot for school and stuff like that. And she was like, I have never seen you. Like, you're just, like, so nervous. Because it was just, like, it wasn't for school or residency. It was, like... It wasn't something that was like a, a quote-unquote temporary thing. Yeah, exactly. It had more permanence to it for right. sure. So that in and of itself, I think, is something that's permanent versus like a, oh, I know that this is only like a six-month stint or something. That can drastically change how you feel about a situation. Oh, yeah. Wow. And so I was not expecting, one, to love the city mm-hmm. and two, to to gain as many friends as I have because I had good friends. I still have those same friends. Yeah. And three, to meet my husband. Those were like all things that I was not thinking or planning on. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously you think, okay, well, maybe I could end up here depending on who I But you don't, but you, you can't really put a lot of weight into that because that's putting the cart before the horse essentially because right. let's say you didn't love it. Let's say you didn't love being here. You didn't like the job. Like you easily could have left after six months to a year or something and said like, I got to peace out. This isn't really working out. So I think it's, sometimes it's difficult to invest yourself in what may or may not be because it's still so new and scary. Oh, super scary. And what, yeah, funny that there was an experience shortly after me moving that kind of brought everything together in a way. What do you mean? It actually all goes back to wine. Well, it all goes back to wine. What? It always goes back to wine, Jamie. Dude, I know. I So right I before I moved here, when I knew I was moving here, my mom and sister and I decided to take a girl's trip to Napa. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did a limo tour. And since we were only three, they're like, do you want to share the limo with other people? It's cheaper, you know, whatever. Okay, great. So we did. Sure. And wine I'm brings thinking, people together, so sure. Exactly. Wine brings people together. And I'm thinking, we had been tasting wines the day before, so we were, <laughs> I was, you Seasoned? know. Seasoned? Well, I was a little bit recovering the morning after when they oh, came sure. to pick us up at 9 a.m. or whatever it was. Sure. So I get in the limo and there's, I'm, I was actually expecting like some older people. And there was three young girls in the limo. And they were so friendly. And I was kind of in this mode. Like, whatever. Like you know? mode, like you were trying to be like, all right, I need a minute because I'm a little hungover. What am I going to do? Yeah. I was just not in the like, let's chat yet. Yeah. Not ready to engage. No. And they were like so sweet. And they're like, hey, you know, where are you from? This and that. And I'm like, well, you know, from I'm from the Detroit area, but I'm actually moving to Milwaukee. And these girls are like, no way, we're from Milwaukee. What? And I'm like, that's like it's such like a coincidence. It's like stars right here on this bottle. It is. Aligning. Right? Oh my God, they actually are. They're actually aligned on the bottle. <laughs> I think that was probably. I'm, I'm sure it's intentional. Yeah. We end up having a glorious day with these girls. We had so much fun that we ended up staying out and having dinner with them after the tour and like That's so great going out with them the whole night like literally spent from morning till night with them and gave them my phone number you know the one of the girls was like we have to get together when you move to Milwaukee and I didn't knew, knew I knew no one so I was like yeah that's awesome <laughs> You're like yes please I'm like yes Wait, sorry this was before this was before you actually moved there right before okay yeah like a couple weeks before so I I get to Milwaukee you know and I start hanging out with these girls I become really good friends with two of them and I've actually I was in one of the girls wedding uh, a few years ago mm-hmm. but funny six months goes by and she is dating one of the girls is dating this guy and she's all like Hey, you totally need to meet his friend, you know. Playing matchmaker? Yeah, she was like, let's, you need to meet him, like, you know. And I'm like, I was at this point in life where I was just like, whatever. I don't, sure. I don't bank on anything anyone says. You still need to meet new says. people, too, because you're in Milwaukee. Yeah. Still, still sort of fresh, right? Sort of new. Right. So through her, we go to this bar because we are having a wig party. <laughs> I, I don't even know. Somebody was having a wig party I where like all it. the girls were like wearing it. different color wigs and we were all dressed up. Like, this isn't Halloween, guys. Like, this is like a, just a Saturday night. I was going to say, is it a Tuesday? 
At least it's Saturday. Okay. Right? So I'm wearing a pink wig of short hair. I have long hair. Pink wig, short hair. And she was like, oh, like her boyfriend's name like is Like hot Eric. pink. Yeah. Hot, hot pink. She's mm-hmm. like, Eric is bringing his friend that I told you about. And I was like, whatever. So <laughs> I, I'm like, we're... I was just like, okay, just great. brush it off. Great. So we're at this bar. We somehow ended up at a tiki bar that I, till this day, don't know where it is. Don't know if it still exists. <gasps> we end up there. Her boyfriend brings my now husband, Adam. Brings oh, him Oh, don't there. give it away yet. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> it happens. It happens. So brings him and we chat, whatever. Find out we work in the same hospital. Amazing. See, stars are aligning. Stars More are aligning. stars are aligning. You know, and I don't give him my phone number, though. We actually got stranded at the bar that night. Jackie and I, my friend. <laughs> Everyone left us. So, um, <laughs> but long story short, <laughs> long story short, he did find me in the hospital. And that's that's what happened. And the funny thing is, is a month later, my friend broke up with her boyfriend. So Married somebody else. Married someone else. Like, yeah. That's was, the reason why it had to happen. It was crazy. Yeah. So, so that you can meet Adam. So when I think back to all of this, it all goes back to Napa. It all, it all, goes, it all back goes back to, to, to Napa. Wine is the origin of everything. Yes. I mean, like, I met a couple of my really good friends there. And that's what we, that's how that, we yeah. first bonded, was at that wine shop in the place that shall not be named. Because that too, Sarah, I mean, as you said, it is very daunting as, a, as an adult, even as we get older and older... Oh, it sounds like we're like ancient, but we're not. Um, but as we get older, I think the whole concept of moving, like picking up everything and moving, becomes even more frightening. You know, when we when we had to move down to the place that shall not be named for the year, which again, I thought that this was gonna be relatively permanent. Mm-hmm. So did my husband. And so we were like, Oh, okay, like this is okay, like we can do this. We moved down there and find out this is just not gonna work. And it was so it was so long. I mean, I had to go back and forth to Chicago for work because there were different arrangements at that point in time in my career. But it was very challenging to meet people. And I remember, do you remember when I was working? I had just become certified or just started teaching a fitness class. And I basically had to give it up. And thankfully, a studio opened down in another relatively central Illinois town, 45 minutes away from the one that we lived in. And I was like, can I still come teach for you? Because I don't want to be there all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I was like looking for any excuse to go out outside of it and also to, to meet other people who had similar interests, right? So they had, you know, be with the other instructors. Those girls are so amazing. I still love them dearly. Um, and then just kind of really have an opportunity to, I guess, encourage and really promote a healthy lifestyle for the clients who are there and I still love doing that but anyway and to think that like all of this with the place that shall not be named named again that experience happened for a reason because we met yeah and you know we ultimately ended up here with you guys in Milwaukee yeah. um yeah it was a weird fluke too that we both wound up up here it was awesome so I think I personally have changed drastically from a lot of my earlier experiences. I believe it or not, I was a relatively shy human being. Hated talking out loud. As she's being recorded on a podcast. This is true. <laughs> this is true. 
I hated doing it. I hated public speaking. I hated giving presentations. I hated doing all of these things. And it was so challenging for me to get over that. Even like, I mean, class presentations. I remember in high school in speech class, it was like a five-minute speech, guys. It might have even been a three-minute speech. I don't remember. But it was so unnerving. And I'm, I'm not quite sure why I've, I've felt like that. But it even held me back in like my clarinet playing when I was in band too. I think I was just too timid. I honestly, I don't know if it's just one particular event that changed me. I mean, listen, I'm still not 100% comfortable doing it. But I think I have, I've developed skills in order to overcome that. Because I think, okay, so this is the reason why I'm doing this is to better somebody else's understanding of something or help somebody improve their lives if I'm talking about teaching fitness class um, or if I'm leading a group. I used to volunteer and be a, a pre-orientation leader um, mm-hmm. back at WashU. That also was very daunting, but I would talk yeah. to like 300 kids. I would stand up in the front and talk to 300 kids because I needed to give order because otherwise it was chaos. Right. And I needed to tell people I was like a cruise director basically. I was able to sort of overcome all of this and I can't pinpoint something exactly but it's sort of all of the experiences, all of the requirements and this is where it's it's always scary, right? Should, oh yeah. It's always scary. But guess what? That's not the only t- that's not the last time I'm going to be scared about something. So I can't just let that fear hinder what I'm going to be doing moving forward. I mean, I personally don't – I love being sociable. I love being outgoing with my friends and family. I love having that strong network of people around me. But I also have found that I love teaching people things. And I the only way for me to do that is to become a better communicator and to become more open and to do these, like, public speaking things, which really sucks. But I still – It's a love-hate relationship, which is a far cry from what I felt about it before. Well, don't you think that these scary experiences are when you get the most out of them is when that Mm. they are Mm -hmm. something that you make yourself do? Totally. They are the ones that you get the most out of because it's the one that really kind of puts you back and like makes you question everything. Yeah. But then you're like, okay, I got to jump and I just got to see if it's, if I'm going to land somewhere, where I'm going to land. Right. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, it does it does help you. And you you know, we've all heard that saying or the various things like Michael Jordan failed so many times, he missed so many shots. Abe Lincoln, I don't remember his thing. But like they've done all they've tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. Well, anyone who's really successful didn't just become successful from their first try. There are people who have failed so many times. There are people who have like they just don't give up and that they keep going and all those experiences in their life that they take and instead of falling down with them Mm -hmm. it's what makes them stronger and then these are the people that actually succeed yeah well this is i mean to the point where you can it can be very defeating Uh, don't get me wrong when you get all of these no's and the rejection it definitely weighs on you mentally and i would say even is detrimental like physically to some extent but you sort of need to reframe like how you're thinking about it and that retrospective viewpoint on you know what has happened in your life certainly makes it easier 
you need to sort of be able to take yourself out and say, okay, what can I actually learn from this experience? Which is definitely, it's easier said than done, but when you start to evaluate things in a more objective manner, you can actually apply that in the future. Maybe that means that you have a better pitch. Maybe that means so you've gotten 10 no's on your sales calls or something. Well, you know what? Maybe you change, you become more empathetic. You try to relate more to who it is that you're talking to. You find that, you know, little little piece like, oh, you're from so-and-so or you're from this place or whatever. Like that could be the ticket to help you. I swear that helped me when I was a waitress. I swear I got better tips because of it. Well, I think also, I think it's the human nature to focus on the negative experiences. Yeah. But what you really need to do is understand that those are there for a reason. They're there for you to help survive. It's evolution, isn't it? Yeah. To some extent. To get better. Yeah. But what we don't do a good job of is registering the positive experiences. So when you are having a positive experience, I think you need to consciously think about that. Yeah. And why is this a positive experience? Why do I like this? Because... You need a thousand positive experiences to outweigh a negative one. Oh, totally. It's like it's like you should be evaluating everything, every success that you've had, say, why did that happen? So mm-hmm. that you can think more deeply about it and say, okay, so maybe I could change this or maybe I could, you know, do this instead so that maybe I'll meet another, another success, another it's, milestone. It's becoming more aware. Yeah. Right? Totally. It's becoming more aware of your experiences and – what, Finding silver linings too. Yep. And what can you take out of something, even if it's a negative experience? How is it making you stronger? How? What can you take from it that you can learn? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think all these things that we've been talking about that have helped mold us, at the time you're like, I don't know what's happening right now. Then you look back and you're like, oh, I get it. You know? I, yeah. The light bulb goes off, right? right? You're like, uh-huh. Okay. That, yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. And also... When you are experiencing something that is negative, mm-hmm. how do you persevere past that? So Ooh, that's a great question. I think it can be difficult, right? Do you have any like solutions or recommendations for how to do that? I mean, I think you fake confidence even when you don't have it. Fake it till you make it. Yeah, I, you know, it's like so, it's, okay. I'm saying it like a joke, but I think you're right. Exuding confidence will can not will can carry you through some difficult times, for sure. Yeah. But also, sorry, I'm going to take one step back. But I also think that asking for help or assistance is not a bad way to go either. Like if you are so unsure about something, I mean, I used to hate asking for help. I was like the dude who refuses to ask for directions. I just (sighs) didn't like asking for help because I thought that that showed weakness. But again, you need to figure out, you need to reframe what what you're thinking or how you're thinking about things. And so rather than saying, oh, well, that's a weakness because somebody doesn't know it, consider it a strength that somebody's willing to ask and learn how to do something else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Fake it till you make it, but have the confidence to admit when you don't know something and then try to learn from that once you do, when somebody does help you figure out how to do it or once you learn how to do it. Yeah. Like technology for podcasting. No, I totally agree. But yeah. it's also, I agree with what you're saying. Um, I also think that like, it's also these experiences that we talk about that give you wisdom for things and mm-hmm. that you know how to appreciate some of the experiences that you might not normally appreciate. Yeah. Like, like what? Like you probably when everyone's been young and your parents are making you do something as a family. Oh, 
and you want to like go out and be with your friends or whatever, do sure. something, you know. And now, as you grow older, you understand why, why that's that. so important. Yeah, to have those family experiences. Like, definitely. Why is that so important? It's because that's what's meaningful in life is your relationships with others, is the compassion and the love and the friendship and all that, and why your parents might have quote unquote forced you to do these things. But then you look back on that and you're like, oh my gosh, like that meant so much that I went on that trip with my family or that, you know, when I really didn't want to do that. Yeah. Those are the things that, that mold you, that develop you. And then you understand that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I mean, there are just little things, right, that pop up into your head every now and then. And I think it's, you know, I think, do you, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I, before, um, you were over here. We were drinking wine. Shocking. Shocking. <laughs> Which time? Um, it was be- it was before the podcast. It was like right before my wedding, maybe like two weeks or something before my wedding. We were just sitting here talking, and then I noticed my phone ring, and oh, it was I, I think I remember this. Yeah. It was um, my husband's aunt who had been sick, and I I hadn't seen her for a while for a few months, and then and I knew she was planning on coming to the wedding, but I remember I said I just. I have to take the call. And so I talked to her for maybe, I don't know, five, ten minutes. And that's actually the last time that I talked to her. And it's one of those things where I just like, in my heart, I just knew I have to pause what's happening. Yeah. And thankfully I was with you, who is very understanding about it. I You have to pause and just kind of take time for somebody else just because, just because it feels right. That intuition, to some extent, like can't be overlooked. You said it before, um, you know, a few minutes ago, like awareness and and thinking outside of just you and sort of looking beyond that is so much about life and and what shapes you too. And so it's, uh, yeah, I still I still remember that day. Look upon it fondly. As sad as I was, I remember I started crying after I got off the phone with her, and I felt really embarrassed because I, you know, we were having a bunch of wine. <laughs> And then I just started bawling, but at the same time, I was like, I'm glad because it helps It helps me feel comfortable about where she is, and I heard positive things from her, too. So it just made me, her leaving us, put it into a better light than, you know, death is never a good thing, or never a positive thing, usually, so. No, it's 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 not, and <laughs> it's, hard, not it's hard to rationalize sometimes. It is, yeah, certainly. Even when people are older and, you know they leave us even when it's that time yeah it's just it's never it easy it doesn't make it easy no. everybody dies we all know that right uh, just because of that fact it does not make any of it easier no and so it's that same mentality trying to find the silver lining and trying to see what can we do how is this shaping me what can I take from it I'm going to store this away in my toolkit or my tool belt or, you know, Well, and something I think like it's that. those pivotal moments where you kind of have to be very in the present. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you really need to – it's so hard. Like even, you know, even my wedding, like it's like the the bidet goes by so fast and you're trying to savor every moment. Oh, yeah. But It does. And it goes by like in the blink flies. of an eye. And that's like one of the happiest days, right? But like what about the birth of a child or the death of – a grandparent or parent or whatever like you have to be there in the present to truly experience that good or bad you know and I think that's another thing is that you have to allow yourself to experience fully whatever it is that's presenting itself to you if it's something that's scary allow yourself to be scared don't be afraid if it's something that's really sad 
you know what? Allow yourself to fucking cry, okay? Just allow yourself to be sad about it. Uh, whatever it is, I don't know. Sometimes people like to talk to whomever. If we're talking about somebody who's passed away, sometimes people like to talk to that person or write letters to that person. Uh, you know, allow yourself to grieve or to do or to be sad or be angry or be super happy about something. People are sometimes trying to shove their emotions down, which makes these experiences have a lesser impact than they than they should or than they could. No, I, I, I definitely agree, <laughs> but... I think everyone can look back and think of like times when they really felt sad or happy or whatever. But do you do you know the in-betweens? You know, probably not so much. When I talk about the Snappa trip, I remember that limo. I remember how I felt when I walked in. I remember how I felt during the whole day. I I mean, at why night at dinner is that? It's because it why was Why does it stick with you? Yeah. Yeah. It was now I look back and I'm like, well, that was a pivotal moment, but I just yeah. didn't know. It was right. just a day. It was just a day in Napa, guys. It was just another day. Just another day. Just another in day in wine, paradise. In the wine world. It, it does. I, Sarah, you're 100% right. I Wine, you know. wine, wine. But <laughs> seriously, I think a lot of these scary experiences that we all talk about, a lot of them bring you to something positive if you truly are able to overcome if you if you really have a feeling like you said an intuition about something Mm -hmm. and you go with it even if you're scared most of the time it leads you somewhere positive yeah or guess what if you're scared about something and you go ahead and do it and it doesn't work out take a step back (laughs) it's okay to change your mind you know life is going to be all these ups and downs right there's there's peaks and valleys and that's just That literally is just life. And it's filled with all these little dotted like experiences and things that will help us grow and help us understand more and sometimes perplex us and sometimes we're just not quite sure what it's doing yet. But just give it time. Well, and sometimes that experience might not just be for you, but maybe it's for somebody else. Truth. This is, it's 100% true because you too are having an impact on somebody else's Mm -hmm. life, on other people's lives. Yeah. What's your experience with this wine? So I'm not going to lie. You're going to have to re-aerate that. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Um, Oxygen. It was a little too oaky for me at first. I think it's opened up. I think that sometimes people will oak wines very heavily, especially reds, when they want them to be drunk more quickly, right? A $20 bottle of ne- of Cab is probably not one you're going to like sell her for 10 to 20 years. And so what they're trying to do is soften the tannins, make this a much more approachable wine younger so that people can drink it now. It's that now mentality. Maybe not immediately, but... And that might be that. Um, I still think there's a little more oak on this than I would like, but I also think that that is pretty typical of a lot of California cabs that are in this price range. Mm -hmm. And I, I... Actually, it's very vanilla y. I, you're, you're right. I was getting that before and I was pulling, I'm pulling like blackberry and Mm -hmm. most, uh, actually, a huge amount of blueberry on here. Um, and, and vanilla is really so it, I, I was just gonna say like blueberries and cream, but that's like totally not. There's also a lot of, um, I can taste the alcohol. It's a hot wine. Oh, yeah. It's 14.2, right? Yeah. Which is, not crazy for no, but a cab. different wines can carry it. Yeah, but I, I do. I do feel it a lot with this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, I don't feel it. I taste it. It's a very dark, opaque, ruby wine. 
The winemaker be... says that it has blackberry, like you said. Right. Black currant. Okay. Um, dried violets. I don't. Oh, okay. I don't know. Okay. Cocoa, toasted coconut. I think that's the oak, mm-hmm. and baking spices. Um, that's your vanilla. Soft tannins. Yeah, agreed. Aromatic cedar. I agree with that too. And a lingering spicy finish. I don't agree with that. With flavors of blackberry and cassis. Cassis. Okay. I mean, I would say overall, I agree with that description. I'm horrible when it comes to florals in wine. Uh, truly, it's yeah. it's a big challenge for me. Yeah. One day, I'm just gonna go to the uh, florist and just start right. smelling all the flowers. Just so I know. I do really think that this has those softened tannins. And I I think that oak is what's doing it, to be honest. Do you really? Yeah. It's a 2013. I mean, and the other thing that I noticed on the website, so for like the 2015, it was a 2015 vintage, right? So they pulled, the, they grew the grapes, they pulled them in yeah. 2015. And then, but they didn't release it. They aged it for 17 months, I think that it said. And so we're talking 17 months is pretty much bringing us into 2017. And so it was probably bottled and put on the shelves in 2018. And so some places will actually allow their wines to sit and mature in the oak or whatever vessel they choose. And then they will actually bottle it and then just let it sit some more because they have designed the wine in order to be drinkable at a certain point in time or for a specific purpose. Right. So they probably know this wine is a relatively inexpensive Cabernet by comparison from California, right? Yeah. And so because of that, they're like, all right, let's just lay it down. This is what, let's just lay it down and have it sit for like another year mm-hmm. in bottle mm-hmm. and then we'll release it and it should be pretty good the tannin should be softened the flavors the structure should all be well integrated and all of that and so it is very methodical i think in nature and again you're talking about people who will probably drink it right away it well yeah that's the thing if it was a wine that has only been made it's like an ex- more exorbitant price and it really is designed and people know <laughs> that this is a wine that you should actually lay down for like a decade before you even touch it, then they probably wouldn't have to hold on to it quite as long. Right. Some still do, but they don't have to. Knowing who your market is and, and educating your consumers mm-hmm. as to what the what the wine is going to be best expressed as. You know, should this be six years old like we are right now, right? Or should this be three? I think it would have been nice maybe a year or two ago. I think there might have been a little bit more tannin in there. Yeah. Uh, which is always nice for a cab. Uh, this seems a little soft for a cab, but that also could be because there's a little bit of Merlot in it or Malbec even. And so that could soften the tannins as well. So we don't quite know. We we can only speculate. But I think based on our experience, this is a $20 cab from Napa. Yeah. I It's got all the flavors. It's got all the different elements that I would have expected. I totally agree. From this too. So that's how So with that, go out and experience your own wine. Go experience your own wine. Don't be afraid. I just watched this thing with John Krasinski. I made Sarah watch it too. He gave like a commencement speech at Brown and he truly says, be afraid. It's okay. Be scared. Because guess what? You're going to be scared again. And you're going to get through that too. So just keep allowing these things that kind of frighten you. To sort of be the catalyst for moving forward and for experiencing new things and growing from that. That's all, I mean, that's what I would encourage. Go all, all while drinking wine. 
all while drinking wine. Maybe you should pause while you're doing like dangerous things like, oh, I don't know. Skydiving or um, walking a tightrope or. um, Flamethrowing. Yeah, actually, that's that's a really good one. Knife throwing. Knife throwing, axe throwing. Axe throwing. (laughs) Although here in Milwaukee. Although there's a bar for that. They let you axe throw while drinking. Terrifying. I know. I still have to do it. Anyway, so let's experience life and let's experience wine. Together. Cheers, DB peeps. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you, so send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time. Cheers from the girls of DBP. DBP.